So we are studying uh, the Good Fight sermon series here at the Well Worship Center. It's a series that's going to continue on uh, possibly all the way into February if needed. Um, we will take breaks for Thanksgiving and such, Christmas, but there's so much that I want to um, cover in spiritual warfare. You know, how what Paul said, I have fought the fight, I have finished the race, and what is this good fight that we fight? We are on the very front end of this sermon series, and what we are dealing with right now here at the well is what I would call the most important fight of this lifelong spiritual war that we're in, and that is learning how to win the war within. The conscience, learning how to have a clean conscience before God. You know, all of God's sons and daughters, we should have the uh, same spirit that, uh, you know, Isaiah had when he just said, Lord, here am I, send me. But would you be honest that as a Christian, a lot of times you don't feel that way. You feel like I'm not worthy. Like, God, you need someone else to do that. I can do, you know, these things over here, but God, you could never use me in any great capacity. I don't feel, when I think of spiritual warriors, when I think of heroes of the faith, when I think of the men and women of God that, that do great things for God, like, I, I don't feel like that's me. And we're talking about this battle over coming before God with a clean conscience where we are totally convinced I am right with God. He is right with me. He loves me. We are good. And it's like, God, here am I. Whatever the need is, send me. We want to get there as Christians. And we've been studying this kind of what I would call twofold problem to having a clean conscience before God. The first problem is the sins that we've committed. And we've already dealt with this. I'm not going to go back and waste a lot of time on it. We've already dealt with this. How does God deal with our sins? Through the blood of Jesus. Only through the blood of Jesus. Always through the blood of Jesus. The blood is sufficient, was sufficient, is sufficient, will always be sufficient. And if you remember you were here for that sermon series, we only and always approach God on the grounds of the blood of Jesus has forgiven me of my sins. Well, last week we kind of opened up the discussion that as a Christian, when you get saved, you, you, there's this kind of uh, honeymoon period where you know God's forgiven your sins, everything seems great, you think to yourself, I'll never sin again, I'll never want to sin again, I could only want to just honor God with my life, and then eventually it happens. And you are awakened to the truth, there is still a part of you that doesn't seem changed at all. And it can be very confusing for the Christian. We're thinking, well, am I really saved? Why, when this button is pushed, and this button is pushed, and this temptation comes, why do I seem so pulled to sin? That's what we're studying today. The goal today is to wrap up the question of how do we have victory over the old nature. Last week, we looked at Romans 6 and 7, and we looked at the, the, uh, the idea 
of how the Bible teaches us to see our old nature through the lens of relationships that are no longer bearing, no longer binding. Look at your old nature as if it is a, you know, a, a divorce that is final and forever and you are free to remarry. Look at it as if you were a slave that has been freed from a previous master and now you have a new good master. It's all about uh, you know, looking at this in the term of relationships. I no longer listen to the flesh. I no longer am controlled by my flesh. I no longer, if you will, have a relationship with my old nature. I listen to the Holy Spirit. I listen to God. I have a new nature that desires to do what God wants me to do. And so I'm going to follow God and I'm not going to listen to the old nature. We dealt with that last week. But when you read where it all starts, Romans chapter 6, this great big discourse on the old nature, we cannot help but admit the first 14 verses tell us the old man is dead. And then he goes on to talk about, you know, the relationships that I mentioned, but it's like the, the first 14 verses say, look, the old man is dead. Done. Past tense. Over with. And the goal for all of us is to get to that place where we can say with absolute certainty, my old man is dead. And so I asked you last week, I asked you last week, if you were here and you've been following the sermon series, to take inventory this week and ask yourself this question, is my old man dead? And if the answer is yes, why do you say that? And if the answer is no, why do you say no? Now, the extreme majority, if not 100%, the extreme majority of you will say, I did the exercise last week, Pastor, and I came to the conclusion that no, my old man is not dead. I was conscious, I paid attention, and I saw that my old man is still very much alive. I still desire to do the things I shouldn't do. I still hunger for what I shouldn't hunger. I still have certain attitudes that I shouldn't have. And so in my experience, the old man is not dead at all. You might say it this way. I don't feel like my old nature is gone. I don't feel like my old man is dead. I want to finish today with providing the path on how to get there. How do we get to where we can say, no, I do know. I know that the old man's dead, and I feel it. Like, I, I in experience, the old man is dead, because that is the goal. And quite frankly, that's what Romans chapter 6 tells us is the, the way, it's the, the, that, it's, that that's the path of the Christian. So, I want to introduce a statement that I'm going to circle back to when I close. Here's the statement. Facts first, faith second, and feelings third. Fact, faith in the facts, and then feelings follow. Here's what I mean by that. In order to obtain and hold on, if you will, and experience the promises of God, you have to know the truth. We have to start with what is true. What are the facts? You cannot determine what is true 
based upon how you feel. See, that's the way most of us start. We're trying to figure out what's true, so we start with, well, how do I feel? I ask you the question, do you feel like your old man is dead? I do not. Well, we don't start with how you feel. What does God say? And so I'm going to unpack this, right? I'm going to unpack this, but we have to know the facts of how this works. You want to overcome the flesh. You want to overcome the sin nature. You want to live in victory over the old man. You want to be able to say with absolute certainty, yeah, my old man is dead. You have to know the facts first. Then you have to choose to believe them, have faith in them, and only then will you begin to experience the feeling, the actual experience of the old man is dead. So we're going to look at it this morning through that context. The very first divine fact about the way of victory over the old nature this morning, number one, you have to know this, the old nature is corrupt beyond repair. The old nature, the one we're talking about, is corrupt beyond repair. God has no interest in fixing your old man, your old nature, the flesh nature. He has no interest in fixing it, and neither should you. Now, I spent eight years of my Christian life trying to change the old nature. I focused on the old man. I did everything I could to change him. I had to come to the reality that the old man is corrupt beyond repair. God is not interested in changing him. God is not going to change him. God has never asked me to change the old nature. God has never asked you to change the old nature. You've got to start with that. God does not fix the old. Instead, listen carefully, he creates something new. He doesn't take what is old and change it. He just leaves it. He's not going to deal with the flesh. Instead, he creates something new. He gives you a new nature. But you've got to stop working to rehabilitate your old man. You can't do it. You cannot heal what God says is unhealable. You cannot fix what God says is unfixable. You can't restore what God says is unrestorable. The flesh is so wicked that God will not fix it. This is a fact of Scripture. You have got to know this. You have to have a right perception of your flesh, your old nature. It's corrupt beyond repair. And this is something that initially we have a hard time dealing with. I don't like to see my old me as that wicked. I like to see him as pretty wicked, but surely there's some hope for him to change. No. He is desperately wicked. God is not going to change the old nature. He is corrupt beyond repair. You need to start, I'll put it this way. Rather than repairing your old nature, you've got to have a funeral for the old Adam. I'm going to reference a passage later that talks about those who are in Adam versus those who are in Christ. God sees the whole world in two categories. There's only two, lost and saved. In Adam is a term that God uses, or in Christ. You're in one or the other. 
The problem with us is that we want to, the, the, the old man, the first man, the old Adam, if you will, we want to dress him up. We want to rehabilitate him. You heard me say last week that, that there was a time in my life that I thought that if I prayed enough, fasted enough, went to church enough, read the Bible enough, was spiritual enough, that one of these days that old nature of mine would want to grab hands with my new nature, skip down the road praising Jesus. But it never happened. And it never will happen. Because the flesh is corrupt beyond repair. And rather than trying to fix up the old Adam, you just need to have a funeral. You need to realize you can't change him. You can't make him better. So what is God's answer to this dilemma? We've got to know the facts. The first fact is you cannot change the old man. Stop trying. So what's God's answer? The answer is death. This is the second divine fact that you've got to understand for victory over the flesh. The cross declares that the old man is fit only for death. I want to read again the passage that we opened up with. Verse 6 of Romans 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him, that being Christ, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. You see that God's way of dealing with the old nature, the sin nature, is through the cross. It's through death. He doesn't change it. He doesn't make it better. He doesn't rehabilitate it. He says it's only good for one thing, and that is death. You need to know that's what God thinks about your old nature. And you need to have a right perspective of your old nature. It's good for nothing but death. It is utterly wicked. We, have a, we, we as people tend to have too much pride to truly take that statement and just accept it. That the old nature, yours, that once used to rule you, is so wicked, it is good for nothing but death. Have you ever considered the fact it is the only part of you that God's not going to redeem? When you get saved, you get a new heart. The Bible talks about God taking a black heart of stone and making it white like snow and making it soft again. You get a new spirit when you are born again. God gives you a new nature that hungers and longs for the things of God. That part of you Brothers and sisters, that's going with you to heaven. But there's one part of you God says, well, that's not going with you. The flesh. He says it's, in, it's corruptible beyond repair. I won't do any. It's only good for death. You'll get a new body when you go to heaven. Isn't that incredible? You get a new body. You get a new, if you will, new flesh. Pure, righteous like Christ, we will be like He is. It's the only part of you God says, I'm not touching that. It's good for nothing but death. Now, when we understand this is the way, you have to understand there's only one way God deals with the flesh. Death. 
Now follow me. But it's not your death. It's Christ's. That's how God deals with it. It's not your death. It's not your dying that sets you free from the old nature. It is not your killing of the old man that finally makes him powerless. It is not your death. It is Christ's death that God deals with the old nature through. Let's look at this a little bit together. I want you to see that it is an accomplished fact. We're going to read verses 1 through 8 of Romans chapter 6. And I want you to note two things. As I, you read the scripture, if you're in your word, if, you're, if you've got the Bible, I want you to pay attention to two things in the passage I'm about to read. Number one, notice the work that is done. It's all Jesus that did it. Number two, I want you to notice how often these statements are past tense statements. They're final. They're already done. Here we go. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died? Would you agree that's past tense? We died. It's already done. To sin, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? It's already done. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know, we know it, that our old self was crucified. He's not being crucified. I'm not waiting for him to be crucified. He's not going to be crucified. He was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we should no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. First of all, I want you to note, it is a death that's already occurred. Now, this was hard for me. Does it feel like the old man is dead? No. Does God say the old man is dead? Yes. Who do you think's right on this one? I had a hard time with this. Trying to wrap my mind around how is it possible that this is done, but it doesn't seem done in my life. Here's what you have to understand is that the death that God speaks of is the death of Christ. And he sees you, your old nature you, as in Christ on the cross. It's already done. It's already dealt with. We, we, we were crucified. Where? With Christ. God says, that is where I see the old man. God says, Joplin, 
When I see the old nature in you, I see him as already dealt with at the cross. So I asked you last week, I asked you last week to take inventory and ask yourself, is the old man dead? And most of you said, well, no, he's not. Listen to me carefully. The reason you came to that conclusion is because you were looking in the wrong place. If you choose to try to determine whether or not you, you have peace that your old man is dead, if you choose to do that by looking in the mirror, you will find that he seems very much alive. And the longer you look at yourself and the longer you look inward to try to figure out, is my old man dead? The more you will be deceived into believing that he still has great control, he is still very dangerous, he still has a lot of power. Stop looking to yourself. Stop looking at your feelings. Stop looking at the temptation in your life. Stop looking at all those things when trying to determine is the old man dead and get your eyes on Jesus and understand God says that concerning your old nature, your old nature is there on the cross, crucified. And that's God's estimation of your old nature. It's good for nothing but death. It is literally that evil, that wicked. It's good for nothing but death. And God says, I handle it through the death of Jesus. You have to stop looking inward. You have to look to Christ. Your old man is in Christ. I, here's what I want you to think about that word is. In Christ. In Christ. Your old nature is. That's where it's at. You have to see it as a final and complete done act. That's where he is. In the sight of God, in God's great big plan, in my relationship with God, in, 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 in this life of Christianity, where is my old man? The answer is he is in Christ. That's where he's at. God sees him that way, which brings us to the third divine fact. The old nature is completely and forever dealt with in Christ. That is how God deals with this old nature that you don't like in Christ. You must come to see that all of your victory is won in Christ, through Christ, because of Christ. You might say it this way, you are not the victor. He's the victor. The only victory that you have is because you are in him. But it's not your victory. You and I don't have to have victory over the flesh. Christ already did it for us. We are in him positionally. And so God says, it's done. It's dealt with. It's over. It's all about being in him. The promise of victory is found not in our performance, but rather in our position of being in Christ. It changed my life when I began to understand that all of my victory is about being in him. I don't get any credit for it. None. None at all. 
It's so exhausting to try to overcome the flesh by being good. It's exhausting to try to have victory over the sin nature by fighting the sin nature. It doesn't change. And I spent eight years exhausted not understanding that I'm fighting a battle. God never called me to fight. Instead, I need to ignore this voice and quit arguing with it. Instead of trying to change the old nature, I need to recognize God never asked me to change it. The Bible said that it's desperately wicked. It's, it's amazing to me. I, I saw I, th- th- there were statements that I had read before, like the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh for they're contrary to one another. I'm like, well, how did I miss that? Why, why did I ever think there would come a moment in my life where the spirit and the flesh would agree? They won't. And, and, and God's way of dealing with that old part of me is through the crucifixion of Christ. He says it's done. Now, what really matters here is my conscience before God. That's what this is about. It takes time to teach these big concepts. But ultimately, this is about a clean conscience before God. Remember, the whole idea, the whole concept here is being able to just like present myself to God. God, I want to be used by you. But what are some of the things that hold us up? We feel like, well, there's no way God could ever use me because I sinned. Wait a second. I know how God deals with sins. It's through the blood of Jesus. And I can, and, and concerning those things I've done, I can have great confidence the blood of Jesus cleanses me of all my sins and I can come with boldness before God. But what about that part of me that wants to sin? That's so wrong. Now I understand God deals with that through the cross. And if this is about my conscience before God, what matters? How I see my old nature or, her ga- or how God sees it? So, that's what I, so when I began to see how God looked at me all these years, it was like, son, your old nature is dealt with in Christ. It's done. It's a completed fact. It's complete. It's final. It's forever. It's all about being in Christ. And I come to see that, that, that what God has done, what Jesus has done at the cross, it is so complete. It's impossible for us to really understand the statement, it is finished. Jesus is dying on the cross. He cries out, it is finished. It's like the more and more that I learn and understand, it's like I realize he meant a whole lot more than I ever could possibly understand. Like it is done. He complete and total my victory, everything I need, everything I need to stand right before God, everything I need to be used of God, everything I need to stay clean and pure. It's all about being in Christ. And now my motive in living a holy life, it's out of gratitude. I'm not trying to somehow make the old man go away. I'm not trying to somehow tip the scales. and None of that. I recognize all of my righteousness is only in Christ. It is totally in Christ. Look at all of these passages that tell us the only reason these things are so is because of us being in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new is come. Galatians 3.26, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one 
in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall be made alive. Romans 3.24, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ. And then Romans 8.1, so we're going to kind of wrap things up here as uh, the great big conclusion of Romans 8.1, there is therefore now, right now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the final fact this morning, divine fact of the way of victory over the sin is that there is no condemnation in Christ. Now, in Romans 8.1, in Joplin's opinion, this is one of the greatest therefores in the entire Bible. There are several like really significant ones. For me, this is possibly the greatest Therefore, Romans 8, chapter 8, starts off with the great big, therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. When you have a therefore, it is obvious in obviously referencing the statements that were made before. We all get that, right? I want you to walk with me up to the therefore. I want you to do it. And I pray the Holy Spirit will help you see what the Holy Spirit showed me and changed my life. Therefore, based upon what? I'm going to give you all of Romans chapter 1 through 7 in a three-minute nutshell. Romans chapter 1, really Romans chapter 1 through 3 teaches that we're all in big trouble. Romans chapter 1, even the people that aren't Christians, they're in big trouble. They're without excuse is what the Bible says. The, 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 whole, uh, the, the whole thrust of Romans 1 is that even the world knows of God and refuses to follow him. They, they might have a little bit of light, but they still reject the little bit of light that they have. Even nature testifies of a divine order. And he says people have gone wicked Men have lusted after men and women after women, things that are clearly contrary to the natures of law. And he says, even the wicked are without excuse. They know in their conscience that what they're doing flies in the face of a divine creator. He doesn't stop there, though. He moves on to chapter 2. And says, but you, you religious folks, you got it even worse. Because you actually know what the word of God says. And you don't do it. You point your finger at all the rest of the sinners in the world, not realizing you got three pointing right back at you. You don't do the very thing that you tell everyone else they ought to do. And the big great conclusion in Romans chapter 3 is, we are all in big trouble, folks. We have all sinned. Every one of us, you, you, me, you, them, they, all of us, we're guilty. We got a problem. Problem is God's a righteous judge and cannot allow sin to go unpunished. And now the author begins to show us 
God's solution. A good and amazing, loving God who said, I will make the way for you. Though you are wicked and though you are evil and though you have sinned and though you have gone your own way, God said, I'm going to make a way. And what we find out in Romans 4 and 5 is that the blood of Jesus is is God's answer to our sins. And in Romans 5, we can have peace with God through Jesus Christ because the blood of Christ was shed to cover our sins. And then in Romans 6, we see this great big awakening that, okay, great, so our sins are dealt with, but there's a greater problem. The monster inside of me that wanted to sin in the first place. And Paul says, that monster, sometimes the Bible calls him the flesh, sometimes the old nature, the old man, that monster is dealt with in Christ. Like God deals with him the same way he does with your sins. The blood is the atonement of your sins, but you need to understand that old nature, it's done. It's completely done. It is over with. It is dealt with in Christ. In the eyes of God, it's final. It's complete. And he goes on to give some analogies of like, well, how should, how should this play itself out in Christian living? He's like, consider yourself like a slave that once used to have a terrible master, but now you've got a new master. So you don't answer to the old man anymore. Uh, consider yourself like a woman whose husband died and she is completely and totally free to marry another. You no longer have any responsibility to the old nature. You ought to just consider it basically dead to you. You don't have to listen to it anymore. And then in Romans chapter 7, at the back end of it, right before this great big therefore, Paul just kind of unloads on what I would call the Christian experience and says, you you know what it's like, right? Like the things you want to do, you don't do them. The things you don't want to do, that's what you do. There's like this war going on inside of me. I want to read that passage. This is what I'm about to read to you comes right before the great big, therefore there's no condemnation. Romans chapter seven, verses 16 through 25. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. Let me tell you what that means. He doesn't agree that what he doesn't want is good, but that the law is good. So if I recognize that it's bad... I'm agreeing that God says it's bad. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do good, to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want, it is what I keep on doing." Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in the members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. 
I want to come back and make some comments on this portion of Scripture, but I want to set it up. This portion of Scripture is his great big conclusion to everything he said in 6 and 7. I think we have to acknowledge it on the front end of 6, it says the old man's dead, and then on the back end of 7, we see there's a battle going on here. Teaches us a little bit about what the Bible, how the Bible, what it means when it's trying to tell us the old nature's dead. It's dead in the sense of he was crucified with Christ, and from God's perspective, it's already dealt with. In this world, we need to kind of see it as dead to me, but I have to recognize there's going to be this. And Paul says this, these incredible words. It is not I. Did you catch that? It's no longer I. Paul had come to see. I would put it this way. He was so disassociated from his old nature. He saw that old nature as dead, dealt with in Christ, no longer my master. I'm not married to you anymore. I'm not your slave anymore. I don't answer to you anymore. That, that when the thing wants to talk, Paul's response is, that's not I. That's not even who I am anymore. When you come to see it that way, you'll quit being ashamed, not of who you are, but you realize that's who I'm not. Because I'm in Christ. And there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. You know, when Paul talks about doing the things, you know, that, that he doesn't want to do and not doing the things he wants to do, I think it's important to provide some context to that. I want you to know my opinion on those statements. And I clarify it with my opinion. There are some who believe that this is a reference to Paul's life before he was a Christian. I don't personally believe that. I don't think that before he was a Christian, he truly had the God-given desire to honor God, love God, do all the... I, I, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. So I don't believe this is him before he was a Christian. There are others who believe that this passage basically tells us that as a Christian, you know, you're going to, there's going to be times you're just going to do horrible, wicked things that you shouldn't do, and it doesn't mean anything. I also disagree with that. I don't think that what Paul is saying, and this is going to be kind of uh, vulgar, but I want to communicate a point here. I don't think that Paul's saying, you know, hey, I, I didn't want to sleep with all those prostitutes, but I just couldn't help myself. I don't think that's what he was saying. I don't think Paul was saying, man, I didn't want to be a drunk all my life, but I just couldn't stop. I don't think that's what he's saying. In fact, when you take Scripture and interpret Scripture or Scripture, you'll find out that this, you know, 1 John chapter 3 you cannot continue in sin if you're truly saved. So, and you remember when we started this sermon series, those of you that have been here from the beginning, we discussed the reality that some of what Paul teaches is hard to understand. 
And Peter said, some people take what Paul says and twist it to their own destruction. Lawless people. This is certainly one of those passages you could take a twist to say, well, you know, as a Christian, you're just going to do things you don't want to do. That's not true. I'm going to tell you what I, now here we go with Joplin's opinion of what's happening here. My opinion is that Paul's referencing the true born-again Christian experience and the reality that no matter how hard we try, we're never perfect. I look at my life when I was saved, and I can tell you this was my experience for the first eight years where I'm like, wretched man am I. I had quit all the major sinning. Joplin wasn't out doing the things that he was doing. Repentance was a very clear mark on my life. But you know what I found about me? I found that if somebody crossed me, somebody cut me off driving down the road, some employee said something, other certain circumstances would happen, like that, I'd find myself thinking things and feeling things I shouldn't think and I shouldn't feel. And I hated it about me. Like, what is wrong with me? I don't want to think that way. I don't want to feel that way about people. I don't want to. Wretched man am I. And the things I wanted to do, like, I just wanted to think holy thoughts all the time. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to just have God first and foremost in every decision I made. That's what I wanted. And you know what I found? No matter how much I wanted it, I recognized there was still a part of me that wasn't perfect and would never be perfect. And I hated it. I believe this is what Paul's talking about here. And it's a very real battle. And Paul gets to the place where he says, and this is what I want to, I want to bring it back to. He says, that part of me, though, that just refuses to agree with God, that part of me that seems to like just be, you know, there's certain triggers that all of a sudden the old nature wants to raise its ugly head. Paul says, that's not even me anymore. It is not I, he says. It is no longer I, but sin, the nature of sin in me. When you can begin to see your old nature in that same context, it will lose its power over you and you will begin to see it's done, it's over with. I remember the first time in my life that I experienced what I'm telling you. It was late 20s. I, uh, I had spent months trying to wrap my mind and my heart around these truths. God, how can the old man be dead? When I look inside, mine is still alive. And it's as if God would say, Joplin, so which one do you think is true, my word or your feelings? And I knew the right answer, your word. But I want to feel it. Like an experience, God. I, I don't want to just like know up here that's what the Bible says. I want to experience it. And I had to see it's all about being in Christ. Joplin, quit, quit trying to destroy something that you can't make it go away. You'll get a new glorified body, and this whole struggle, it'll go away when you get to go to heaven. But until then, understand things. I never asked you to change your old nature. Quit wasting your time, son. You spent eight years trying to do something, number one, I never asked you to do, but number two, if you'd read the stinking word, boy. I told you the flesh and the spirit war against each other, and you think it shouldn't. Just stop. Okay, well, God, then 
How do you see me knowing that I've got this nasty old nature? God says, son, that's not even who you are. I see that nasty old nature of yours already crucified in Christ. And I begin to see how to have confidence with God. Like, wait, it's already dealt with. It's already done. God sees it as final. And so I can approach God with a sense of great peace. And I'll never forget the moment in my life when I knew, I knew that I had victory over the old nature. It was one of the first times that I was flying into Haiti. And so it was a very long time ago, late 20s. And I had had like six weeks of preparing for Haiti, um, getting my heart ready for the trip, fasting, seeking the Lord. And God's honest truth is that during that span of time, there was not any great degree of consciousness of like this evil old nature in my life. It was really a long, for me, six weeks is a long period for me. It was a long period of like really feeling pretty spiritual. Plane either goes down to Houston or Atlanta, one of the two, and then uh, get on the second plane, and I'm on my way into Haiti. We're about an hour from the landing, and um, I'm not going to tell you what I thought or anything about the person. All I'm going to tell you is I was sitting in my seat, and a person walked by me, and the most vile, horrendous thought just came to my mind like that. And this first time in my life this ever happened for Joplin Emerson, I literally laughed. I laughed. And I said this like inside, I was talking with myself, if you will. This is what I said. You are so wicked. And you're not me. Like that is not who I am. I'm not that person anymore. I mean, I used to be deceived and think that was me that thought that thought. That's not me. That's the old nature. I'll tell you who I am. I'm a son of God. I am redeemed, blood-bought, born again. I have a new nature. I am spirit-filled. I am God's son. That's who I am. I think holy thoughts. I desire holy things. And for the first time in my life, I resonated with what Paul said. was like, well, that's not even who I am. And I was fascinated like, man, like, you never go away. You don't change at all. You never give up. Like, I've been gone solid for six weeks. You know, you'd think you'd find some other better way to tempt me or whatever, but it was like, no, I'm an hour before landing on a great big mission, and I'm going to come at you and do what I can to try to take, make, even if it just makes you feel like you live in shame because you have those thoughts. No shame here. Why? I'm telling you, I understood the great big Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And I knew I'm in Christ. That old nasty man. And here's, here's the way I look at him. Positionally, he's already done. He's in Christ. It's done. In time, he's actually going to get a real grave. He's going to get a second death. He got his first death in Christ where he and I were cut off. And now you don't own me anymore. I don't answer to you anymore. And most importantly, 
God sees you as dealt with. But I also understand relationally, I have to see the old man as you're just dead to me. You're dead to me. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. Your desires are my de- my, not my desires. That is not who I am. I want you to look at, I know I skipped the verse. If you guys go back to 1 John 3.21. Look at this statement. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. You see that? You know what keeps you from being confident before God? A heart that condemns you. I'm going to tell you something, child of God. There's nothing that will condemn you like getting all hung up on the old man. You want to present yourself to God with a sense of confidence? You've got to recognize how he deals with the old man. You've got to recognize he never asked you to change him. He didn't ask you to make him different. He didn't ask you to redeem him. He says it's good for nothing but death, but good news, the death has already happened. Christ's death is where it took place. God says, that's where I see the old man. He's there. God says, I see you as completely clean in my sight. I want to finish with one word, Romans 6.11. I want to focus on one word in this verse, Romans 6.11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. I want to focus on the word consider. This word is the word that we get reconciled from. In fact, if you've got an old King James Bible, yours will say, reckon it so. Now, you need to understand what reconcile means for this verse to have the impact that it's supposed to have. We don't reconcile a lot of things anymore. It's really a bank term. And it's something that a lot of our young people know nothing about. Nowadays, there's really not any reconciling. You just kind of like look at your phone and see if it's close to what you think it should be. In the old days, that wasn't the way it worked. I actually went to our bank a few months ago, and I asked for a check register. And they had a new young lady that was working the, the uh, drive through window. And I asked for a check register, and she looked at me like a deer in headlights. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And this is exactly what she said. Sir, I don't believe we have those here. She's working at the bank. Her manager, who's a friend of mine, walked by and heard the conversation. He came over and he and I had a good laugh about it and he showed her what a check register is. Now, for those of you that don't know, you're like, what's a check register? In the old days, it was a written log and you would put how much money you had in your account and then when you made a purchase... You would subtract that amount, and it would show you how much you had left. And your account was reconciled when what you showed was exactly what the bank showed. Now, this is an important word, because let me tell you what's not reconciled. If you say you got 173 bucks and the bank says you got 171, that's not reconciled. Most of us nowadays, we're like, eh, close enough, I probably got it off somewhere. And that's fine. Most of you guys live that way. But you need to understand the actual term reconcile. It's not reconciled, and hear me clearly, it's very important you understand the meaning of the word. 
It's not reconciled if it's a penny off. It's only reconciled when everything matches. And here, I want to, with that in mind, I want to read this again concerning your old man. Verse 11. So you must consider, reckon, reconcile. You must consider yourselves dead. I told you you got to know the facts first. And you're going to have to choose to know the facts, believe the facts, and you will never begin to feel it and experience it and have a sense of peace in your heart until you know the facts and you reconcile it and you realize, why do I have a clean standing before God? The answer is because I'm in Christ. God says that's how he deals with the old nature. And if I'm going to have a clean conscience with God, would you agree what really matters is what God thinks? And if God says your old nature is completely and fully and forever dealt with in Christ, you don't need to come before me with your head down and your tail between your legs because you still war against the flesh. You need to know I've already dealt with it, son. I've already dealt with it, daughter. That's not even who you are anymore. Reckon yourself dead to sin. It's done. I'm going to ask our worship team if you guys would get in place. You know, what I just told you this morning, your enemy does not want you to know. There are two primary ways that your enemy tries to get you to handle the flesh. The first is just to give in to it. Just to do what your flesh nature wants to do. I'm so out of time, but I want to introduce a, a statement that I love. The only part of you that Satan can talk with is your flesh nature. The old you. That's the only appeal that he could appeal to. There is nothing in your new nature that Satan can appeal to. So if the old nature is dead, he's got nothing to work with anymore. So you can rest assured he doesn't want you to know how this works. He wants you to look inside and convince yourself very much that the old man is very alive. And the first thing that he'll want you to do is just give in to the old nature. And then as a Christian, if you refuse to give in to the old nature, he wants you to live in the misery that I lived in for eight years where you spend your whole focus on the old nature. Trying to change him. Trying to fast him to death. Trying to pray him to holiness. He doesn't want you to recognize God said, quit dealing with it. It's done. Quit trying to change it. Realize it's done. Quit listening to it. Realize it's done. Quit arguing with it. Realize it's done. You just need to speak back to that old nature of yours so you're dead to me. And I'm telling you, it is possible. It's possible to get to that place where finally it's like out of nowhere, one day in your life, that old nature tries to raise its head and you do what I do and you laugh and you're like, whoa. Whoa, you're wicked. I didn't feel shame. You know why? Because that's not me. I'm just, I know, it's not me. It's not who I am. Now, for eight years, I thought it was. And so I was so ashamed every time. This is the way, brothers and sisters, 
facts first. You've got to have faith in these facts and then you begin to feel and experience the true peace of knowing my old nature's dealt with. And then, now I'm ready to present myself to God. I'm so pumped about where the sermon series is gonna lead. Because so far I've only dealt with the negative. And we all deal with these things. And I know a lot of you are getting help. I've got a lot of feedback from folks saying this has been helpful. But let's be honest. This is the negative side of Christianity. Your sins, the old nature. We're getting ready to move to the positive side, your new nature. What's it mean to walk in it? What's it mean to operate in it? What equipment has God given you? So you need to know the facts. What equipment has God given you to supernaturally do His work and build His kingdom? I am so pumped to keep progressing forward. But we'll never get to that place where we're like, God, here I am, use me, until we first understand it's completely and fully done in Christ. My sins, my sin nature. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's all about you. It has only been you. It will always be you. It is all you.